um, quite a privilege to be here standing before you this morning. I um, got called up uh, early on in the week uh, after we heard the, uh, the news about Grant and, uh, and I said no problems at all. It's nice that family can spend some time together celebrating uh, what a wonderful thing um, and life and awesome legacy that Grant's left and we'll hear more about that tomorrow I'm sure. But um, as you know, um, I went over to California not so long ago and um, spent some time checking out the environment up there. And um, I was set a challenge. And one of the challenges was, how many fast food places can you go to? And um, <clears throat> I'm not a big, a big um, person on fast foods because uh, it's not that good for you. But, you know, when someone sets me a challenge... And because I was sort of uh, organising the itinerary for the trip and, and uh, a little bit, uh, um, so I thought, yep, I can plan all this. So I said to Shannon, you give me a list of all the places you want to go and I'll see what we can arrange. And, uh, and then from there, we, we, we gave it a go. And we didn't quite go according to plan. Sometimes it was pretty much, uh, let's just take it as it comes and stuff like that. But we arrived in San Francisco and the first place we wanted to go to had an hour's wait to get into it. So we didn't go there. And that was uh, uh, the pancake uh, dessert place. So we ended up going down into uh, the middle of uh, town to Westfield Plaza, of all places. And um, I ended up eating um, at a place called Buckhorn Grill. Now, I don't know if you guys know a little bit about the States, but the States is a very diverse place. It's a little bit smaller than Australia, but it's, uh, it's, it is a very diverse place. It's got way more people than Australia has. Uh, but... Um, the varieties of food that are there are just amazing. And California is a little bit different because um, California is on the western side of the Rocky Mountains and it's kind of is isolated from the rest of the United States. And so California is very different to the rest of America. And um, in particular, most of the food is Mexicanized. So that means it's got lots of jalapenos in it, uh, whereas over in the rest of the states they don't tend to Mexicanize their food as much. And, uh, and uh, so it's quite spicy. And so I go to this buckhorn grill and I get the most delicious meat I've ever eaten in my entire life. And I mean, you know, corn-fed or um, um, grain-fed uh, beef is very different to grass-fed beef. But it wasn't so much the meat and the texture, it was the way they cooked it. So it's a grill. So what they do is they grill the outside of the meat, uh, very, very dark, almost black, almost charcoal. And then inside, it's just tender and just delicious. And it's sliced very thinly like a snitchelis. And it's just, it was just beautiful. And so that uh, started me off on two weeks' journey of what am I going to have uh, for the rest of the two weeks. So the next morning, uh, the plan was to go to the International House of Prayer. Sorry, the International House of Pancakes. Um, <coughs> and uh, so we ended up having breakfast with these ginormous pancakes. And uh, they stack them fairly high, and you get all sorts of different flavours, and it was just fantastic. Uh, we went on a cruise trip to go and see the infamous um, uh, San Francisco Golden Gate Bridge, but we didn't get to see it because it decided to hide as we approached it. And, uh, but we did get some photos from a long way away uh, while it was poking its nose out of the fog. We then went to Pier 39, and uh, there's a famous pier market in the middle of Pier 39, and it was quite a delight to see Shannon take on this very large crab, and uh, I, I can't even remember what I had, but it was very tame compared to what he had. And uh, beautiful food, just fantastic seafood. We uh, then had a go at all sorts of things on the Saturday night, but we ended up in the most dodgiest part of San Francisco that night, 
in the most grottiest BK burger place you've ever seen in your entire life. Uh, but we, we enjoyed the meal and we reflected a little bit on the fact that culture in the middle of an American town is very different to the culture and the way things happen in a New Zealand town. And then we went for a drive for an hour or two down to Cupertino, just to clear our head a little bit, and uh, ended up getting to bed quite late last night. Well, Sunday morning, no, no chance. I hop International House Pancake for breakfast again. Yep, that was so good. We went up to uh, Napa Valley, which is the uh, American equivalent of Marlborough Wines. So Napa Valley's all the wines up there, and while we were there, we um, eventually found a Taco Bell. We had to walk on foot for quite a way to find it, and uh, that was probably my favourite meal of all the meals I had uh, while I was over there. Taco Bell was just delicious. That night, somebody suggested some sanity, let's have a restaurant meal, so we found the only restaurant that was open that night was an Indian restaurant, so we went there and... Uh, that was quite nice. I quite like Indian food. I have to say, their curries are awesome. Uh, but again, it was Mexicanized, so that was interesting. Uh, then the next morning, we met up with the crew that uh, we'd um, uh, staying the week with. So that was Nigel and Wendy from Waikanae Baptist Church and Glenn Malloy from Patoni Baptist Church. And we all stayed in the Airbnb, and it was just fantastic, and we had a great time. So we went down just down the road to the local From the Hearth Cafe and had these amazing omelettes and all sorts of things. But just like everything else American, it's full of cheese. And um, by this time, I'm getting cheesed out. You know, I gave up cheese uh, uh, probably about a year ago when I decided I need to kick uh, certain types of foods. And so by this time, I've had three days of cheese and I'm just going, I've had enough cheese. <laughs> uh, we went to In-N-Out Burger for lunch. Now, that was quite surprising because this was a very different kind of burger house. And I can see why it's called In-N-Out Burger because what you do is you walk in and there's three burgers to choose from. Little, medium and large. Right? And then there's a whole bunch of drinks and that's it. You grab it, you go in and go out. Well, we, we, we sat in and watched and we, you know, there's this gallon-sized drink that, because in America they have gallon-sized drinks. So, you know, our large is about this big but the Americans, their, their supersize is a gallon. And that's quite large. And we were looking at how hard it would be to lift this up. And we were quite amazed that, you know, like if you go into McDonald's or BK and you try and pick up a big full of Coke and try and pick it up, it just, you'll spill it, all right? But these ones were really solid and they picked up. And when we lifted it up, we noticed there's scriptures on the bottom of it. And so we thought, that's really weird. And then we noticed that there's scriptures on all of the stuff, you know, on the chippy packets, on the burger box, and, you know, on the tray mat and everything. And so we checked it out, and yep, um, on the internet, Google told us that uh, In-N-Out Burger puts uh, unashamedly scriptures all over their paychecks. Every, every employee, because in the, in the States, everybody gets a check still. They don't get cash and direct debit, they get a check still. And on their checks, it's got a scripture. And it's just amazing. And so, yeah, we started to see a little bit of the glory of God in the middle of, uh, middle of California. Uh, we had the usual Starbucks. We ended up at Carl's Jr. that night. Carl's Jr. is amazing. And the service was amazing. The food was amazing. But by this time, I was all cheesed out. So I just had a chocolate shake. That's all I could cope with was a chocolate shake. And, uh, and I thought that was pretty amazing. It was the most amazing chocolate shake I'd ever had in my life. Uh, so the next night when we went there, I thought I'll try one of the Oreo shakes because, you know, chocolate shake's all right. I'll tell you what. I've fallen in love with Oreo shakes. Unashamedly, 
Oreo shakes are just the most amazing milkshakes you can have. Everybody else is eating um, burgers and chips and all sorts of stuff. We ended up in a place um, out the same, because as you know, there's been the, uh, all the fires up California which are still raging, and, and it's quite sad. I mean, I don't know if you know, but Paradise, which um, can, was completely burned down, is about the size of Blenheim. And that was just in the last couple of days, and there's one just out of um, Malibu at the moment in Los Angeles, which is, um, which is still raging, and it's, um, it's quite sad. But we, we went through a part, which is part of what they call the car fires, which is about a couple of months ago before we were going, and they were all out but we got to see the damage. We got to see the houses burnt down. We got to see the burnt-out cars. We got to see uh, a little tent on the side of the road with photos all of it, over it saying, come and claim your lost pets. Um, it was heartbreaking. It was just devastating to see the heartache that had gone on in this part of the world, and it's still going on. And, you know, and one of the things we can do is continue to pray for that part of the world. Um, so we went to a little place called Shorty's Eatery while we were there looking around, and you know that was like uh, a real ancient, old, hundred-year-old bakery, and it was just really nice to see the wonderful things that people do in the middle of nowhere, even though they're surrounded by um, charcoal and blackness. And uh, it was just uh, a really, really opportune time. Uh, and then after that, the conference started, and I have no understanding why, none at all. But in my Google Maps, uh, there is no record of any of the restaurants or um, takeaways that I went to in the entire time that the conference was running. Because my phone just stays on the entire time. And, um, and so I can't remember. So I just find it interesting that while I was consuming spiritual food, there's no record of my physical food anywhere. And that's kind of interesting. And then on our way out, uh, we went to Chipotle Mexican Grill and um, checked that out a couple of times. And then um, on our last day, we checked out Krispy Kreme Donuts. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I've put on three kgs. My movement has become quite slothful and slow. I still don't feel 100% right. I got a cold because my body just wasn't coping with all this bad food. On the plane back, I developed really bad edema in the legs. Uh, those of you who don't know, that, that's swelling up. So um, uh, that was quite hard. And it just, it was bad food. I was eating the wrong stuff. I really, really, really needed to change my diet. And see, the thing about eating bad food for so long is it fills your body with toxins. You don't realise it, but your body is full of toxins. It's full of nasty, horrible things in your body. And those nasty, horrible things in your body take a long time to go out of your body. And I want to talk a little bit about faith. In Romans 10, 17, faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word about Christ. And I want to talk from the analogy of physically eating to spiritually eating. And the idea that quite often we don't think too much about our physical diet. We just eat what's put in front of us for some of us. And for some of us, we 
um, work very hard at working out what we're going to eat for the next uh, week or so, and we plan it and organise it. And we all have different approaches. Some of us have it planned out, as I said, weeks in advance. Some of us, oh, I'll just go to a takeaway and get something there. And I want to think about that in terms of our spiritual food and how we look at our spiritual food. Mark chapter 4, verse 24 says, Consider carefully what you hear. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you, and you'll get even more. Luke 8, verse 18 says, Therefore consider carefully how you listen. Whoever has will be given more. Whoever does not have, even what they think they have, will be taken away. Deuteronomy 32, 46. Take to heart all the words I have solemnly declared to you this day so that you may command your children to obey carefully all the words of the law. In Proverbs 2, 2. Turn your ear to wisdom and and applying your heart to understanding. Proverbs 4, 1. My children, listen when your father corrects you. Pay attention and learn good judgment. Proverbs 4.20 says similarly the same thing. My child, pay attention to what I say. Listen carefully to my words. And Proverbs 22.17. Listen to the words of the wise. Apply your heart to my instruction. All of those verses are about listening. And what does it say? Faith comes from hearing the word of God. And so when I was thinking about this, I was thinking about faith comes from hearing the message and the message is heard through the word about Christ. But then I thought about some of the spiritual food I've eaten in my past. I've been involved in work situations and at school. And when I say school, I mean when I was a kid at school. And, uh, and even sometimes in the staff room at the work I place, work, uh, place I work now. Um, but different jobs I've had over the years. Sometimes people I've had in my home. And I've listened to coarse jokes. I've listened to crude and rude things. I've put up with swearing and even sworn myself. I've been involved in listening and passing on gossip. I've been involved in slandering other people. I've been involved in listening to other people who are grumpy, being grumpy myself. I've listened to a whole lot of moaning and groaning, backstabbing, manipulation, controlling talk, a lot of people who are dissenting from their leadership, people who are undermining the authority that is around them, and I've even heard hate. Why? Why do we allow this kind of food in our lives? Proverbs 18, verse 8 and 26, 22 both say the same thing. The words of a gossip are like choice morsels that go down to the inmost being. That Carl's burger, Carl's Jr. burger just went down. It was so good at the time. Right? Those Krispy Kreme donuts, they felt so good at the time. And just like gossip does, just like that crude joke, just like that little bit of dissension that that person's sowing about your leader in your work environment, at your school, or even in your church. That little bit of something goes down because it tastes so good. Ephesians chapter 5 is something that I was instructed to read as a child every day of my life. 
until it became a part of my life. Because I was brought up in an environment where this kind of talk was the norm. But Ephesians 5, 3 to 5, but among you as is proper among the saints, there must not even be a hint. Not even a hint. Not even a whisper of a hint of sexual immorality or of any kind of impurity or of greed. Nor should there be any obscenities, foolish talk, crude joking, which are all out of character, but rather there should be thanksgiving. For of this you can be sure, no one who is immoral, impure or greedy has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. I was brought up in an environment where crude jokes, slander, backstabbing, banter, as we call it sometimes, was the norm. And for me, it took me a long time to get this into my head, that this is not right. And while I was in the States, I saw encouragement, I saw honour, I saw people who lift each other up. And I reflected on our Kiwi culture and I thought, we could learn a few things or two. Matthew 12, 34 says, Out of the overflow of the heart is where the mouth speaks. James 4, 11 says, Don't speak evil against each other, dear brothers and sisters. If you criticize and judge each other, then you are criticizing God's law. Your job is not to criticize, but to obey the law, not to judge whether it applies to you or not. And so this is something I've been thinking a lot about. But I thought about this judging bit. You know, Matthew 7 verse 1 says, Do not judge, or you will be judged. For with the same judgment you pronounce, you'll be judged, and the measure you use, you'll be measured with you. We've been told over and over and over and over again, do not judge. But we do it every day. We allow bad food into our hearts. We allow those cheap morsels, because they're quick and easy. They come to us so fast in a conversation to dig and to stab and to hurt and to give pain. Jesus said, do not judge in the Sermon on the Mount. A little bit later on in Matthew 7, 15 to 17, he says, says, beware of false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. By their fruit, you will recognize them. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. Galatians 5.22 tells us what the fruit is. It's love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. This is the food we need to be consuming. Right? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. These are the things that we need to consume and fill our spiritual bodies with. Not all of that other stuff. But the problem is, that other stuff is in there. It's toxic. It eats away at us. It takes time, years, decades to get it out of us. But it is clear from that Matthew chapter 7, verse 
uh, 15 to 17 that we are to be fruit inspectors. So we don't judge, but we check out the fruit. It says you will recognize them by their fruit. Jesus did this himself in a kind of a roundabout way, but he did it in a way that is a kind of a subtle warning to us. You'll remember the story of the fig tree in Matthew 21, 19. Seeing a fig tree by the road, he went up to it and found nothing on it except leaves. Now, I've seen a little baby fig tree that's only about this high, and it's got several figs on it already. So fig trees start producing figs quite early. So this is not Jesus being unrealistic, right? There's a fig tree that's got huge amounts of figs on it normally. But he sees this fig tree, it's covered in leaves. So from the outward appearance, it should be bearing fruit. But it's not. So what does Jesus do? He curses it. You will never bear fruit again. And I take that as a warning. If I'm not bearing the fruit of love, joy, peace, kindness, patience, goodness and faithfulness. Will my heavenly father curse me and say that I'm never going to bear any of that fruit ever again and that I'm going to lead a life of bitterness and grumpiness and swearing and gossip and slander? I hope not. I hope not. So I'm going to fertilise my spiritual life and make sure I water my spiritual life and make sure that there's not just leaves. I'm going to make sure that there's some real fruit there. So the key, I believe, is if you're listening, because it says faith comes by hearing the word. If you're hearing gossip and slander, if you're hearing dissension and hate, move, leave, stop it, whatever it takes. I know when I'm in the staff room at work, at Morning tea is not really enough time for anything to happen. Everybody's just getting their cup of tea down before the bell goes to get back to their class. But at lunchtime, the conversation in a certain corner of the staff room just doesn't suit me at all. So I sit on the opposite side of the staff room. I know with my flatmate that I've got at the moment, he's into Marvel Comics. And so he watches all of this action stuff on the TV all the time. And I go in there and see what he's up to every now and again. But the amount of bloodshed, the amount of violence, the amount of hate that's on that screen disturbs me. So I just walk off and I have another little lounge that I go to and that's where my Bible is and that's where my guitar is and that's where I hang out. Because I've discovered that bad spiritual food is bad for you. doesn't matter how quick and easy it is to get access to, the typical fast foods that we have in the spiritual realm, it's not good. So we need to think about our diet, the way we feed ourselves, the way we prepare our food, who we allow to prepare our spiritual food for us. Who do you listen to? You know, I want you to seriously think about where you're getting your feeding from. Change the location. Go somewhere else. If you're not getting fed here, go somewhere else. You can always complain to theelders.com if you heard that Bo said you have to leave church. But <laughs> I want you to think about this. 
Because one of the things we've been thinking about over the last year is this idea of a barbecue versus a restaurant. And we all know that when we go to a barbecue, we just get what we get. We may not have any part in it, but when we go to a restaurant, there's a certain expectation about the quality of the food that we eat. And not only that, but sometimes when we're in a restaurant, we're not actually the clientele. And as Shannon has tried to pass on to us all, that really what he wants us to be is be servers, as Christ was a server, and we are to serve in that restaurant. And so we are partly responsible for the quality of the food that is available in that restaurant. And so I want us to think about the idea that as we move into this new paradigm that uh, Shannon's wanting to bring to us, that we are all partakers of the food in this house, but we are all contributors to how it's served and the quality of that food. The way we talk to each other, the way we encourage each other, the way we bring loyalty, patience, joy, love, kindness, all those things to each other is really important because what we're doing is we're feeding each other and we're helping each other to grow the right way. If we go into all of that other stuff that I mentioned earlier, it's not going to help us to grow. It's going to put toxins in us. It's going to feed inside us and make things turn nasty inside us. And so one of the things I want you to do is think about is, where are you getting your food from? How are you feeding? Another thing about food is it needs to be fresh. Um, I've heard stories. I've never uh, actually witnessed it or had any proof of it, but someone's told me one time that if you took a McDonald's burger and stuck it outside on the deck, you could leave it there, and six months later, it will look exactly the same. Whether that's true or not, because I'm thinking, well, there's lettuce in there, and then there's meat in there, and I'm sure the flies would get the meat, and the ants would get, you know. But anyway, let's not go down there. I don't want to put pictures in your brain. But the thing is, when the Israelites were in the desert, in the wilderness, God provided for them manna. And the manna was provided for them in such a way that they gathered enough for them to eat each day. And then at the end of the day, it was gone. And then the next day, it was off. Some of them tried to go and go, but it was full of flies and worms and all sorts of stuff. And so our food needs to be fresh. And I believe the example of the manna in the scriptures is an example to us that quite often we look at our food, and particularly our spiritual food, and don't realize that it needs to be fresh. Matthew chapter 4, verse 4 says, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And I want you to understand, it's not the preceding word, but the preceding word of God that brings life. Do you understand that? It's not the preceding words, it's the preceding word of God that brings life. Yesterday's manna will not feed today's soul. Manna only keeps for a day. It's important that we learn to honour the past, but live in the present. We look to the future, living in what God said, instead of what God is saying, 
can lead to death. I'll say that again. Living in what God said instead of in what God is saying can lead to death. I'm not saying it will, but it can. All right? Abraham, the father of many. Genesis 15.5, the Lord took Abraham outside and said to him, look up into the sky and count the stars if you can. That's how many descendants you will have. Here's a clear thing from God to Abraham. You are going to have many, many, many descendants. So Abraham thought, no problems at all. I'm going to go and sort this out. And along comes Ishmael. Ishmael was Abraham's attempt to live in what God said rather than to live in what God was saying. But God kind of helped Abraham a little bit. And in Genesis chapter 17, he gives the promise of Isaac. And there's a few verses there. I will confirm my covenant between me and you and greatly increase you in numbers. And the next one, next John. But your wife will bear a son, and you will call him Isaac, and I will establish my covenant with him, not with Ishmael, with him as an everlasting covenant for his descendants after him. All right? So here we go. We've got God's given Abraham a word. Your descendants are going to live forever. They're going to be as many as the grains of the sand and the stars in the sky. Genesis 22.2 Take your son, your only son, he's not interested in Ishmael, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah and sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain, I will show you. Hang on a minute. God just said that as many as the stars are in the sky, your descendants will be, and now he's saying, go and kill him. What's going on? God's word for then, God's word for now. So Moses is very obedient. He doesn't grumble, he doesn't groan. He just gets on with it and goes, well, that's your problem, God. He gets up very early the next morning. He grabs his son Isaac, a whole bunch of uh, uh, people to help him out, three servants and some wood and stuff, and he goes. Three days' journey. It's gone. Obedient. So obedient that we read later on in the book of Hebrews that God accounted that obedience as righteousness for Abraham. He didn't argue with God. He didn't say, oh, hang on a minute. You said, and now you're saying, he just did. Because he understood the obedience of God. But the story doesn't end there. Genesis 22.8. Isaac asks Abraham, where's the lamb? And I like the King James Version for this, and I, unfortunately I put the NIV up on the screen, but in the King James Version it says, God will provide himself a lamb. God will provide himself a lamb. Very prophetic. It reminds us of what would happen thousands of years later. And in fact, most Hebrew scholars and most Christian scholars believe that the two incidences happened in exactly the same geographical location, which is quite interesting as well. 
But it didn't end there. Because Abraham had received this word from God, thou shalt sacrifice thy son. And if he'd lived for the rest of his life in that word, we'd have no descendants of Abraham. We'd have no Israelites. We'd have nothing. But in Genesis 22.12, there was a new revelation of God's word. Do not lay a hand on the boy. Do not do anything to him. Do you see what's happening here? God gave Abraham a word. He gave him another word. Then he gave him another word. Yesterday's word is stale. Today's word is fresh. It's not what God said yesterday. It's what he's saying now. And this is not the only example. In Isaiah 28.10, it says, For precept must be upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here a little, there a little. We view truth through religion and rules, but God wants us to view truth through relationship and his son Jesus. Black and white thinking, which is what I'm very good at because I'm slightly autistic and I'm very black and white, is religious thinking as it always seems that some truth contradicts others. And there are so many places in our Bible where it seems. But the more you read it, and the more you understand who God is, and you understand the relationship he has with us, those contradictions just disappear. And I'll talk about that in a little while. So God wants to give us new understandings of the truth daily. He wants us to know the whole truth, the whole counsel of God, and as my mantra is, the Bible, the whole Bible, and nothing but the Bible. I hear people say, oh, we're only a New Testament church, or people say that the Old Testament doesn't matter anymore, and, you know, all sorts of things. But it's the Bible, the whole Bible, and nothing but the Bible. And to give you some other examples, God said to Jesus, well, God said through Jesus, Jesus taught us to pray that we would not be led into temptation in Matthew 6.13. But it was the Holy Spirit who led Jesus into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Paul taught against circumcision in Galatians 5.2. But he circumcised Timothy in Acts chapter 16.1. Jesus said, turn the other cheek in Matthew 5.39. But Jesus made a whip in John 2, 14 and cast out the sellers. God said, my kingdom is not of this world in John chapter 18, 36. But he said, pray that it will be on earth as it is in heaven in the Lord's Prayer in Matthew 6, 9. Jesus said to his disciples, sell your coats and buy swords in Luke 22.36. But then Jesus tells Peter off for using that very same sword in John 18.10. We are saved by grace, not by works in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. But if you have no works, your faith is dead in James 2.17. 
Whoever calls on the name of Jesus shall be saved in Romans 10, 11. But God said he chose us before time even began in Ephesians 1, 4. In the last days, nations will rise against nation in Matthew 24, 3. But then Jesus said the church will disciple the nations and never again will they train for war. My favourite one's in Exodus. Moses, <laughs> this is funny. Moses is organising this big crowd of people out of the land of Egypt and they go zooming down, head into this little canyon and uh, it's surrounded by rocky walls, big ocean in front of them called the Red Sea and behind them is a big crowd of Israel, um, Egyptians and huge number of chariots. Now there's a pillar of fire and all that sort of stuff uh, in between them and that. And so Moses gets to the scene. He says, stand firm, Israelites. Stand firm. And he says, God, what should we do? And God turns back to him and says, what do you mean what should you do? What are you crying out for me? I told you to go forward. And so he tells Moses to go down and strike the water with his staff and part the Red Sea. Faith is one of these interesting things where God expects us to move in faith before he demonstrates his power. Moses was waiting for God to demonstrate his power. So he said to the Israelites, stand firm. But God said, ah, 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 get moving. Go, demonstrate faith, head to that water and just move. And sometimes we sit there, and this is pretty much the example of my life. I've sat there most of my life going, oh, yep. When you're ready, God, tell me what to do. I'm very good at following instructions. I spend a lot of time in the military just doing as I'm told every day. It's real easy. Just do as you're told. Whereas I really strongly feel now that I'm in that time in my life where I just need to move and let God act through my faith. Because faith comes from hearing the word. And the message is heard through the word of Christ. Now, God means us to use what we have for good. Some people don't use what we have for good. And Joseph is a classic example. You know, when he told his brothers, you meant it for evil, but God used it for good. Right? We don't know the circumstances of the world and how it impacts us. There are so many things that go on that we have no control over. But we still move forward and we still exercise our faith, and we still know that God is in control. But we also understand that new wine requires new wineskins. When we eat good food, it nourishes our body. When we feed our soul with the right kind of food, we become better Christians. Not just Christians by label, but actually ones who reflect the character of Christ. There's a big difference to someone who comes to church and says, I'm a Christian, and sits in the pew, soaks it all in and goes out, and they never change. If you're eating good food, you will change. If you're eating bad food, you'll also change. It's up to us as to which kind of food we eat and what happens to us. Do we want the toxins in our body that will destroy us? Or do we want the nurturing, beautiful food that God intended for us to turn us 
into fantastic, wonderful people. It's our choice. Hebrews 11.6 Without faith, you cannot please God. Do you understand that? If we just mechanically do as we're told all the days of our lives and don't exercise faith, we're not pleasing God. God says quite clearly, without faith, we cannot please God. When we eat spiritual food, when we hear the word made flesh, and when, as Shannon talked about last week, we eat that flesh, we become spiritually mature. Romans 10:17. Faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word about Christ. If needed, change where you learn about God. Change who you listen to when it comes to spiritual things. And if necessary, change what you read, what you watch, what you listen to. Where do you go during the week to eat? Who do you allow to prepare your food for you? What are you eating? If this is spoken to you, I'm going to open up the front. And if you want some prayer, we've got a couple of elders in here, and we'd love to pray for you. There's home group leaders here as well. We'd love to pray for you. It's really important that you think about your spiritual diet. While I was in Bethel, I had great spiritual food. And we have great spiritual food here. I want you to think about what happens Monday to Saturday. God bless you.